This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. Anyway, so, sorry, are we recording already? Oh, well, then you can use some of that sound bites for That's whatever right. you choose. And he's pretty good at that too, Marilyn. So if you say something really funny, if you say something really funny, he's probably going to like turn it into a meme. I'm sorry. Now the pressure's yeah. on. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Well, tonight we have uh, a good friend of mine, Marilyn. I wish I knew you better, but I have a feeling I'm going to get to. I think so. You want to tell us about yourself? Um, I, I, Interesting. My name is Marilyn, and how we've learned in the program to be selfless, and now I get to talk about myself. Mm. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit uh, like an oxymoron. Um, so my story is, uh, you know, I came into recovery, um, kicking and screaming. Um, I was, I came into uh, the AA program very angry and uh, because I didn't want to be there. Mm. What brought you in? Uh, My friends Mm. and my family were convinced that I had a problem. And so I went to appease them and calm them down. Mm. And um, it, it just... So I thought that was what it was going to be. Yeah. I'll go to this meeting. I will calm them down. And, you know, life would uh, just carry on. Mm-hmm. I had lost my sister um, in 2007 suddenly. I'm sorry to hear that. I Thank you. That. It's funny how all of a sudden it gets very mm-hmm. personal, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, she had uh, substance abuse problems her whole life. My mother also had substance abuse problems. And promising all my life wasn't going to be me. Yeah. And my drinking had certainly uh, become, certainly taking over before you know a couple well before she died i considered myself a sort of an 
a late onset. Um, my disease really didn't come alive until later in my life. And mm. um, I remembered when I walked into the room thinking I was such, you know, mature in my age and looking at the young people going, oh. And luckily there was one woman in there that uh, I could tell was close to my age. And I remember thinking, okay, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. And, um, but when my sister died very suddenly, I used it as the excuse to crawl in mm -hmm. to that bottle. And so not realizing I really had a problem before then mm -hmm. is that it, it just became my big excuse. Yeah. You know, it, looking back and going through the program, I realized, uh, what the history, what the lead up to it was. And, you know, it was just so great because it, because I could say, don't bother me. Mm -hmm. I'm grieving. You know, I'm going to drink in the morning if I want to drink in the morning because I'm grieving. Mm -hmm. And it became this, you know, mantra. And I decided to go to a grief counselor, do some grief counseling. We had a, a, a wonderful man who has been with my family from the very beginning in as a therapist in all kinds of capacities. Mm -hmm. We tried to teach our children that, um, you know, if you have a problem and you can't solve it, mm -hmm. you ask for help. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I'll go and we'll do a little grief counseling. And, mm -hmm. and it was actually through him that he convinced me one, finally in one of our sessions to try AA. Mm -hmm. He very gently through months introduced the idea that perhaps I wasn't quite dealing with the grief because I was numbing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I give him such credit because, and just, it was so skillful mm. and it was so artful. And I almost want to ask who he was. It, well, I'll certainly leave his um, name. And I, so I went one day mm -hmm. and of course it was daily and um, I remember just walking in and just being so angry that I was there mm -hmm. and all at the same time I was lost and I was so scared and um, I remember sitting there going how did this happen mm. how did I let this happen like I'm a good person I'm kind I'm loving I'm a good mom I'm a good wife I'm a good citizen. How did this happen? Mm. And I, I remember leaving the room that day, finally, for the first time, with a bit of hope mm. that I wasn't the only one. Again, I was... Um, 
determined to do it on my own. And I was raised um, in my family where you grew up and the sign of growing up, when you have made it to grown up, mm. you, you take care of yourself. Yeah. You make your own choices. You make your own decisions. And you suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like you fix it. You, if you break it, you fix it. Yeah. And so I, I st- that was so strong with me that I kept that in my head is that if I got myself into this, mm-hmm. I need to get myself out. And so I just, I kept fighting that mm-hmm. surrender that, um, that is just where the moment, the power is, mm-hmm. is in that surrender. The healing is in that surrender. And I, I just, I wouldn't get in the middle. I wouldn't get in the pack. I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't going to get in this thing. I'll come to meetings. I'll sit. I'll tell my, mm-hmm. my, my hood that, you know, and I, I remember t- running to, into friends and going, it's okay. I'm going to AA under control. Got this? Mm. Not to worry. Sorry if I bothered you at any time, but I, it's okay now. Yeah. And then the relapses started. Mm. And it, um, surprising, was worse. Uh, everyone was worse mm. than the first one. And um, So even the relapses got progressively worse. Progressive. Eh? And what I am so grateful for mm-hmm. is that the worst of my disease truly happened after I got into AA and I consider that I am so grateful for that Mm -hmm. because it it was like a saving grace for me it was I felt like it it couldn't have happened the timing was yeah I mean it saved my life Mm -hmm. and is that because now that you were in AA you knew where to go was that I knew where to go, yeah. and there were um, three people in the room that, to this day, I, you know, saved my life. Mm. And I was always amazed that they hardly knew me. They hardly knew me. Yeah. And they would show up at the hospital. Mm. They would show up at my front door. And they didn't even know me. And I remember thinking, after my first meeting in this one particular woman, you know, said to me, Marilyn, we're going to love you until you can love yourself. Mm. And I said, oh, no. If you knew me, if you knew my life, you couldn't. And you don't need to. Mm. And these people sacrifice their time and their energy. And I, I was a runner. And in, as I did my steps, 
and going back through my history, I learned that I was a runner from the grade, not grade, like six years old. Mm -hmm. You know, that first incident where, you know, I'm mad at mom and dad and I decide I'm going to run away. Yeah. Because there's no dessert. And um, that was a big problem. It was a big problem. When you're six. No dessert. Yep. And uh, teddy bear in the suitcase, that typical picture. I'm walking out down the driveway and I hear my mom say, well, I could make you a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Erk. Okay, that, that'll do. And I, so I learned from that moment that I was a runner. If things mm-hmm. didn't go my way, I'm running that I could manipulate pretty gosh darn good. Yeah. And so in in this, um, you know, the loss of my sister, I, I literally did not know how I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. I was not prepared to lose um, someone I loved. Yeah. I'd been very lucky most of my... I, you know, you lost my grandparents and the natural progression of life mm. is what we're taught. Yeah. But when that's interrupted and my mom and dad were so devastated that they were so lost. Yeah, I can't imagine. They were so lost. And so I didn't have a role model mm. or I didn't have, and I'm not blaming them by any stretch of imagination they just didn't have they didn't they didn't know how they were going to get through it Mm -hmm. never mind bringing their children through it and so i sort of stepped up and i became that um the 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 strength i thought Mm -hmm. i stepped up to become the strength for them and and you might have like it might have been strong for them for a while who knows? Well, and <clears throat> we didn't live in the same uh, same city. Well, they live in the States, and I lived here. And so the distance was mm-hmm. uh, such a safety zone, hey? you know, yeah. distance. And, and so when I got everything settled, with settled, Uh, Because my mom was just, um, it was horrific. And I came back and that's when, you know, I let down and I thought, okay, it's time for me. Mm. It's time for me to heal my wounds and figure that out. Yeah. And I better have a bottle to do it mm. so I can relax and figure this out. And um, now, drinking totally through the whole thing. I mean, yeah. I just crawled into it. And I, um, I just didn't think it was hurting anyone. Mm. I didn't think which is part of our problem. You know, sometimes we think too much, sometimes we don't think. Well, and then we also have that blindness, right? That we can't see what we're doing. Like when we're in the middle of it, we have that like, I don't know what happens to us alcoholics when when we get into that mindset 
where we can't see the, the shit. <laughs> All we see is the relief, right? Yeah, I, I can't explain it. All I know is it seems to be a brain disorder. Yeah. Like, and you're so, it's that selfish, self-centered where mm-hmm. the blinders are on and it was all about me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even take into the consideration that my children lost an aunt. Mm. You know, my siblings also lost a sibling. I didn't take any of that into consideration. Mm. And it was, it just became all about me. And that sweet relief. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the biggest surprises to me is when I got sober and through the steps is that how much pain mm-hmm. that I have caused and that I, I just, I, you know, I, I would always say, This is my life. I will do with it what I want. Mm -hmm. I make my own choices, decisions here. I'm a grown woman. So, you know, that uh, let me be. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just... Oh, the stubbornness, you know, it was just the word that popped into my head was just the stubbornness of so determined Mm -hmm. to do this on my own and not listening and not getting in the middle and not understanding, getting to that place where I don't want to live, but I really don't want to die. But somehow I was getting closer to dying. And... um, could you feel that, like, as it was progressing? Did you just feel that, like, that call of death kind of thing? I did yeah. feel it. And one of the scariest times was, I think, the time that um, I had been in the program for a couple of years. And I could get time under my belt. Mm-hmm. You know, nine months, a year and a half, uh, you know, two years. I could always get time under my belt, but Mm I, it just, I don't think I ever exhaled. Mm. And I, so I remember that moment I exhaled, but I had decided I had relapsed and I decided, um, that's it. I'm out. I can't do this. Um, I sh- nobody should have to live like this. And I'm weak. I cannot do this. I don't need, you know, I, there's no other way out. Mm-hmm. And it was winter. And I got a coat on and I got in the car and I drove to um, the weasel head. Um, North Glenmore Park in there and I got out of my car it was pitch black and I started walking down into the embankment into the weasel head and so my my plan was is just to keep walking and it was cold enough that perhaps I wouldn't make it to morning Mm. and I slipped 
and it scared me. Mm-hmm. And I heard this voice, and I know it wasn't mine, because it said, you don't want to do this. Mm. Ooh, she got goosebumps. And I scrambled back up the hill, mm. and I got in my car, and I was frozen. Just the few minutes I'd been outside, I mm. was frozen. And I went home, and I got in the shower, and I just, I knew at that moment I needed help mm. in a way that I had never needed, that I'd never felt before. Yeah. Even being in the rooms, you know, when I first got there, I just didn't think I needed that much help. Mm-hmm. I needed some guidance, maybe. Yeah. And... Uh, my husband came home from work and that evening and I was shivering and you know he says what what is it and I said I need some help Mm. I can't do this on my own and I had asked actually to go at that point to a treatment center Mm. I felt like I needed kind of a lockdown situation where there were no outside influences. Mm. You know, I, you know, and once again, looking back, what I realized is that I'm still looking for something without, mm. outside of me yeah. to do this, not in me. Mm-hmm. It was, so I needed, you know, a structured environment with, mm-hmm you know, away from my world so that I could think and be focused and, you know, not have um, temptations around. And mm-hmm. so um, so I had uh, gone to treatment and it was one of the hardest. Sobering up was the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm in my life agreed but treatment was pretty rough and once i got there i again was one of the more mature aged women's the only one mm-hmm. in this whole center now this was um back you know 10 years i don't know how many years ago now and treatment centers were just sort of I mean, they've really taken off now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we got a 10-minute call in the evenings. And we had to sign up for it. Mm. And uh, we had chores to do. And this was the first time that I'd ever been away from my husband. Oh, wow. This long. Yeah. And I had no idea how I was going to do this and the shame that that came over me while I was there is uh, again how did I get myself how could I have let this happen Um, I have a son and a daughter we have a son and a daughter and I remember thinking how as a mom, could I have 
gotten to the point where I needed to be away from my family for six, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, so w- w- what I considered treatment for me was an education. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I, and I've always loved, loved learning. Mm-hmm. I love school. I was one of those loved school. That's and weird, so, but whatever. We're going to let you continue, I, even though that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. I would, yeah, yeah, goody two-shoes. And um, so, I, you know, every morning you had um, lectures. Mm-hmm. Whoa, mm-hmm. pen and paper, and man, I'm on the front row, and I'm like, yep. You tell me, the, give me the information, mm-hmm. and then I'll be okay. Like, I still kept thinking... Yeah. There wasn't, I just thought that's all there was. So finally one day I got in trouble, which was a very awful thing for me because I I never liked getting in trouble. Mm. Um, Because in my family, uh, when my brothers would get in trouble, they got the belt. Yeah. And so as a child, that was those sounds are very frightening. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get in trouble. Yeah. Now my dad, the girls, you know, we got grounded. But the boys, it was a very difficult um, thing to live with. Mm-hmm. And so I, you, I just don't get in trouble. That was my MO most of my life. Yeah. Just don't get in trouble. So I, I did. I was called into the like, big office and they said, You've got to stop taking notes. Mm-hmm. I'm, what? Like, that's what I'm down here for? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm thinking I did something so wrong. And they said, you're not in it. You're mm-hmm. listening. You're just writing. And you're not in this mm-hmm. thing. And I said, oh, no, but writing, I really remember. No, we want you to be present and in the moment and focus on just be, just be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was, you know, certainly a big challenge for me. And when I, we went through step five. Mm-hmm. So. That's a big one. It was a big one. Yeah. And so four and five. So I'm thinking this is great. And I remember coming out of, um, I came out of reading my five is what they called it. You weren't allowed to call it doing your five. You read your five and discussions. And, and, uh, I remember coming out very shameful Mm. because I felt like now there's a human being that knows Mm. me. And I thought, Oh boy. And so I was leaving that in, in a matter of hours, oh. I was leaving. So I get back to my room and I've got a pack and my roommate goes, oh, okay, you can crank out six and seven right now. So are you willing to have all these characters of defects removed? I went, yes. She goes, okay, done. <laughs> seven. All right. Let's pray. Okay, God, please remove. Okay. 
She goes, now you're through seven, off you go. I mean, oh, okay. I said, That's I'm exciting. Leaving, I'm excited. I'm leaving the treatment center on step seven under my belt. Get back to uh, daily. And uh, I, I knew at that point, though, I was going to have to find a sponsor that mm. held me accountable because the one I had before just wasn't. Neither one of us were in it, so it wasn't mm. working very well. And that's not anything of her. It was I certainly wasn't in it. And so uh, I knew who I was going to ask to be my sponsor. And, um, but before I did that, I thought, well, I better crank out these steps. Mm-hmm. So step eight, oh, well, I tore up my step four. Mm. So I wonder who was on it really. If I, okay, I'll just do the basics. I'll just do the ones off the top of my head, you know. So step nine, I do a few, mm-hmm. you know, just the big ones, my family and a few friends. And so I thought, and then of course, 10, 11, 12, you just go, okay, I can do that. 11, yeah, okay, can do that. 12, sure, carry that message. Mm-hmm. You got it. So bingo bongo, step 12, I did them all. I am ready to go. She's a circuit speaker all of a sudden. I, it, all the steps under the belt. I mean, I, I, isn't that what it was? Totally. Right? It was totally relate. It was always about, again, mm. something on the outside of me. Mm. If I did this, then what was asked of me, well, then I did it right. Mm. Like, and that was that big thing too of not getting in trouble. So I did it. I did it. And that's what I'm supposed to do. And I, I so I've asked this uh, wonderful, amazing woman to be my sponsor. And she says, oh, Marilyn, I've been waiting for you to ask me. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, and you know, we just, from the moment I had seen her when I first came in, I had such respect. And we'd actually both lost a sister, mm. which was a big connection. She's um, an incredible woman. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, both are. I love her. And she says, okay, so uh, you phone me every day. Mm-hmm. You don't text. Texting wasn't quite as big, believe it or not, back then. And she said, you phone me mm-hmm. every day. You will come to my house once a week and we'll go through the book and start the steps. And I went, well, well, guess what? You're going to be so proud of me because I've already done the steps. Mm-hmm. And she goes, mm-mm, mm-mm. Step one, mm-hmm. you start from step one. Square one, step one. And if you can't do that, then I can't. I can't help you, mm. right? I, she said, I can only share my experience, strength, and hope. I cannot tell you what to do. So if you're willing to do that, then we can. And I, I thought, all right, 
I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm in. So we do it. And, a, you know, just a year goes by and another year goes by. And then in a matter, in, it was a January, in a matter of a couple of weeks, I had an amazing, a couple of big trauma, not trauma traumas but they were you know those little those life moments that mm -hmm. you're you, you don't expect and my dad was developing alzheimer's mm -hmm. sorry and so um i had been down to see him and uh he'd been getting lost mm -hmm. and people were bringing him back to uh, their home and so I, you know, put on my big girl pants and I said, we have to take the keys away from dad. Mm. Okay. And my two brothers that were there at the time, you know, resisted and a bit, but I said, I like, we are being irresponsible mm. to let him drive. He's getting lost. Anyway. That's scary. It is. It was just frightening. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't live there, you know, I, it's different, you know, when kids start getting in the caregiving role and mm -hmm. um, you don't, you know, I didn't live there. So I got to fly in and, you know, be the, okay, I'll take over for a mm -hmm. little bit. What can I do? And then I get to leave. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have that um, responsibility of day in and day out. And my brother that lived there had young children. And he was dealing with this every single day, day in, day out. And my mom, too, who was also a, um, uh, a morphine addict. Mm. And... Uh, it, it, uh, and I said, so, okay, I'll take the keys away. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. So, again, one of the hardest things I've ever done was look at my dad and say, Dad, I need your keys. You can't drive anymore. Mm. And I said, Brad, um, some, you know, we'll get you where you need to go, what you need to do. And, of course, he's really, what I didn't understand is he's really not understanding what I'm asking. So he gives me his keys and I just remember thinking oh what if I like I've just taken away hmm. like a piece of my dad so I give my keys to my brother that's staying that lives there I get back home and uh I get a call from my brother that's there and he says I've given the keys back to dad and I, I was so I, confused and upset and angry and, again, so selfish that I was not thinking that this actually included my brother mm. and the impact on his life. I was just devastated. And then in the same week, I was out walking my dog and I fell 
And I don't know if it ever happened to you when you were kind of in your drinking and disease and things. I never fell down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem was I was sober. I mean, here I am. But I remember having moments where if I hit my head getting in the car, Mm -hmm. off. Well, I better go have a drink. This is awful. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I can't believe that just happened to me. And so when I fell, it triggered Mm. that voice. You need to relieve this. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't had that. Like mm-hmm. I hadn't had that. And all of a sudden, there it is. And it's thing, all of a sudden, you know, it's my dad and then the compounding. And then um, there was a third incident where I actually fell again, but I bruised myself up on the ice with my dog like it was getting ridiculous. And I decided, well, I guess that's it. Hmm. I don't know any other way. Like, it's so cunning, mm-hmm. baffling and powerful that in, you know, so I fought it, you know, for a while. I, but I would never tell my sponsor. Mm-hmm. I never talked to her about it. I didn't talk to her about it because inside it was just churning, mm-hmm. right? It was just churning. And I kept thinking it's going to go away. It's going to go away because it can't be anything that I need to do on the inside. Something on the outside has got to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And so a few months later, I, I relapsed Mm -hmm. and, um, it was, uh, a beautiful sunny day. Go figure. I mean, mm-hmm. a day, any day that ended in Y. And those are my favorite ones. Yeah. The, <laughs> those are my favorite to drink on. <laughs> uh, it was this beautiful day, and I just decided I was going to have a drink. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew there was booze in the house, which in the beginning we had said no booze in the house. Mm-hmm. And then you know, feeling better and yes, sure, bring it in, bring it in. And the next thing you know, there's a whole liquor cabinet. Mm. And not that I am blaming anything. I am responsible for my choices and behavior. But yeah, we have to understand though, proximity to liquor makes it easier. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but it's not blaming the it's liquor, right of here. course. Yeah. It's right here. Yeah. And uh, so I... Um, have a drink, feeling pretty good. I know there's, um, I know where there's a bottle of tequila, cause that's my nemesis. Oh yeah, me too. A little Southern Belle, that's my nemesis. And so I, uh, and here I go. Then it hits me. I need my passport. I need a pair of shorts and um, I'm going to go to the shopping center up from my house and I'll catch a cab and I'm going to go to the airport and get a ticket because I wanted to go to my sister's Mm -hmm. favorite 
place that she ever lived, mm -hmm. which was on the coast of Texas. I need to be there. I need to go. So I make sure I have those things. And I better take this bottle of tequila for, you know, and I put it all in my purse and I walk out my back door and out my back fence and I'm walking and I realize that my dog has followed me. Mm. Now I've got a problem. I can't go back to the house because my husband and daughter were returning. So I guess I better, I can, there's somebody I know that has, I could probably get a dog leash mm. from, and who knows what I was going to do from there. And so sure enough, I get to near this neighbor's house. And the next thing I know, um, I'm being loaded into an ambulance and my sponsor is there. And, all my family and friends are out looking for me. Hawk's helicopter had been called. And I just, I just don't know how it happened. Mm. And so, the next day, I had been going to um, an aftercare meeting uh, that was connected to the treatment center voluntarily. And I actually went for four years because I just loved it. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the amazing woman there, uh, I'm in a room with my kids and my husband and she says uh you're missing something something is missing here marilyn we're gonna send you back to treatment i went oh no 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 i will not go back there mm -hmm. i said i came out of there with a broken spirit shame and guilt and i said i will not go back there mm -hmm. and she said I think you're missing a trauma. There's a trauma, and I think it's your sister. Mm. And she said, uh, I, there's a trauma center that I think would help you. Mm. So I ended up going to this amazing trauma treatment center, and they had different uh, facets of, all kinds of, so there were, you know, soldiers, you know, military personnel and um, musicians and artists of, mm. there were people from all walks of life and they dealt with a lot of PTSD. Mm. And so, um, oh, it's just incredible. You could, so the difference from the one treatment center that I had been to, which turns out it started being called the boot camp of treatment centers because I mean it was locked down there were no phones no TVs no radio no newspapers mm -hmm. no books there was nothing complete lockdown and all of a sudden I'm in this trauma center 
with, uh, there's a music room and a volleyball court and there's a swimming pool and, and there's an art room. Mm -hmm. Part of the deal was you had to, you had to participate in some art for expression. Like mm -hmm. it was just beautiful. And, uh, they had, um, one week that was, um, called the inner child mm -hmm. and the stories, you know, people would tell you that, uh, you'd be at lunch and there would be someone, uh, either by themselves or, you know, very introspective and, and quiet. And they'd say, oh, they're in their inner child week. Mm. Like it's, they were also given, when you were in your inner child week, you were given an amazing amount of leniency for um, time in your room or time out in the garden mm. or a reflective time. And so I, I didn't understand what it was going to be. And so when I started my inner child work with six other women, here I thought I was there for my sister, but I was there for my inner child. And as the time in this room with these amazingly courageous women to face the darkest piece of their soul mm -hmm. and be willing to walk through it and wanting to come out on that other side. It was um, it was so powerful and I it's incredible. really had no idea that my childhood violation had taken such a toll on my spirit. Mm. And that that piece of me that was so broken and I felt, you know, I had done something wrong mm. and connecting, you know, that full circle is why, you know, in life I can't do anything wrong mm -hmm. because, you know, things will happen mm -hmm. if you do something wrong. So that's when I realized that was the piece that was missing. Isn't that incredible, eh? That all that time. And the, I mean, there was some amazing grief work 
There was also a grief week that I did around my sister. That was unbelievable. And so when I came, it, there was also a week where um, my husband came. It was a requirement. Mm -hmm. And you had a um, guided sort of questionnaire thing and that you both had to answer. And then in front of the peers that were in my group, mm -hmm. you had to sit like we're sitting and you had to talk about your answers and things. Oh, okay. Incredibly powerful. And um, so there, you know, th those moments. So when, when I came back, I was definitely um, in, a, in, in that different place mm -hmm. in, in my recovery and, but in my spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in that different place, and um, again, we agreed uh, for us, mm -hmm. and for our for us, it's how we we want to do it right now. Is there is no alcohol in mm -hmm. our home, and uh, I know lots of people can do that. Mm -hmm. in recovery and and I may get there I just, and you know I talk with my sponsor a lot about that that's kind of a side note but it oh, that's okay <laughs> but it um, and and I'm grateful that my family has an amazing amount of um, capacity and compassion uh, and respect that they they give me that and um, I I, I, and from there, you know, it's, it's just been a different mm -hmm. journey and a year, we start the steps again and I'm on uh, step eight and my mom and dad both get incredibly ill at the same mm. time in the hospital, both of them. Luckily, they were in the same hospital. So I went down <clears throat> and I would take the night shift and my brother would take the day shift. And they were in the same hospital, so we could go from room to room to room. Mm. And we thought we were going to lose uh, my mom for four months, and but we ended up actually losing my dad. Mm. And so I stayed to, <clears throat> my mom had to go to a, a, a assisted living. Mm. And so I was packing up their apartment and I was by myself and the boxes were getting, you know, I'd pack and stack the boxes and the boxes uh, were just getting higher and higher on the wall. And, we kept the couch so that I'd have a place to sleep. And that afternoon, someone had come for my dad's recliner. And so that night, I was, began to just sob. And I phoned my husband and I said, I 
don't know how to do this. Mm. And he said, have you talked to your sponsor? Mm. Have you phoned her yet? (laughs) And I said, I'm phoning her. And he said, say the word and I'm coming. Mm. So I phoned my beautiful sponsor. And I said, I don't know how to do this. And she said, have you prayed? And I said, no. And she said, pray and phone me back. Mm -hmm. And I remember rolling off the couch and onto my knees. And I, you know, please show me how to do this. Mm -hmm. Guide me through this. I don't know how to do it. And in that moment, there was a surrender that came over me that I will never be able to describe. Mm-hmm. A serenity and a peace that washed over me that there are no words for. Mm-hmm. And in one moment, I exhaled. And I knew I was going to be okay. Mm. And I considered that always my spiritual awakening. Mm. And as, you know, the steps prepared me for, I think, laying that foundation. Mm. This was the first thing in my life that I really had no choice over. I couldn't bring him back. Mm. I couldn't change it. I had, I wanted to move through his passing with, with dignity and grace. Mm. I wanted him to be, I wanted to honor him. And it was in that moment that I realized that there is something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And that all this time, of trying to work the program and, you know, going to treatment and trying to do those things Mm -hmm. that were going to give me that moment and, and bring me that serenity and understanding that all these other people in the room seemed to get. It was in that moment that I realized It wasn't about something on the outside Mm. at all. It was all on the inside. Mm. And it was that moment, that complete surrender and that leap of faith on my knees of saying, show me. Mm. Show me how. And every, that was my exhale. Mm -hmm. That was the moment that I felt different in my chair, Mm -hmm. in the meetings. What I realized is I just always sat on it. I never sat in it. Mm -hmm. I was never in it. And I never knew what the it 
was until all of a sudden it was not on the outside mm. and that it was in me that it was that sur- complete complete surrender do you feel like in order to get to that complete surrender do you feel like you had to go through the other stuff you went through to get there like you know what i'm talking about right like the because we all know that our bottoms are different and stuff but that feeling that you got is the same right that feeling that it's done that i surrender i'm done right um and do you think that it was easier to get there for you because you had been through so many like peaks and valleys with with drinking and being sober and um it just seems like it would have been like that uh, like a white light moment almost right like what it sounds like from what you're saying it was an absolute white light and actually i i sort of refer to it as this it was a golden mm. warm enveloping light that just mm. moment feeling mm. and what was interesting is I had um, uh, after I lost my dad I I went to um, a grief counselor actually we'd lost another friend we'd the next few years we'd we'd gone our family had gone through some really tragic losses that just it just didn't it was never ending mm. <laughs> and um, I was seeing this gentle, gentle soul for some grief counseling. And um, I'm telling him a bit about, you know, losing, you know, our losses. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like your sister got you into AA and your dad made sure you stayed. Mm -hmm. And sure I thought, does sound like that. <laughs> it was the difference of handling, knowing that in loss I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That whatever happens in life, there's something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, the God of my understanding. Uh, that is going to get me to where I need to be mm-hmm. with it. And that was um, that was the spiritual shift. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it because one of our old timers that you know very well used to always say you know don't leave before the miracle happens mm-hmm. and i just wouldn't uh, like what <laughs> until it happens well you can't tell what is it <laughs> can you you know again if i can write it or if i mm-hmm. can what do i need to do mm-hmm. in my humanness right it was all about in my humanness mm-hmm. What what is a human being do I need to do to get to that over there? That's kind of like our control, hey? Like, 
what can I do to control this? Yeah. Human being, spiritual being. Mm -hmm. And I, lately what I, what I try to do at night is, have I been more of a human being today? Mm -hmm. Or have I been more of a spiritual being Mm -hmm. today? Because it is in my humanness, and you, it's in our humanness that mm-hmm. we cause pain and we make mistakes and we, our choices aren't always the best ones. But it's also in that humanness that we, you know, we find brings us to that when mm-hmm. we realize enough is, you know, the pain, the, <clears throat> the hurt, it brings us to what's going to make me stop. What is going to make me change? And I, I, I just always thought it was something, mm-hmm. something outside. And that's what lots of us are waiting for, right? We're waiting for that outside thing to come, you know. And even in recovery, right? People still do it. They still sit back and they wait for that thing to come. And again, not realizing that what we have to do is keep working. Keep looking in here, right? It's the inside Mm -hmm. job. The inside job. And that's, uh, you know, to, it, it, I just, you know, you see a newcomer come in. I see a newcomer come in. And it, it, you know, it does, it just takes you back to that moment and you know that they have no idea what's ahead of them or why. Mm -hmm. Or why? Yeah. And yeah. I honestly, when I see a newcomer come in, I'm I'm instantly transported back to that look on their face. Like I can remember the look on their face where they're like, "What the hell am I doing here? Why am I in this room with these assholes?" <laughs> right. But then just having to sit through that feeling and slowly become one of the assholes. Right. That. That won't let go, you know. Won't let go. Yeah. Like kicking and screaming, mm-hmm. hanging on, like that fear. Oh, mm-hmm. that that fear, which drives mm. so it's our humanness. Mm-hmm. The fear of, and you know through looking back in my life and um, the choices that I made and um, how fear, Mm -hmm. fear drove so much of that. And the fear of disappointing someone Mm -hmm. or letting someone down or um, just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. How it, drives and controls and crippling eh? it is crippling absolutely crippling and i i just i find that one of the greatest gifts you know of this program is um that ability to pause Mm -hmm. when agitated and doubtful and learning that the first voice 
is not the one I need to be listening to. (laughs) It's that second voice Mm -hmm. that is the spiritual nature that's going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I always listen to that second voice. I certainly work at it. (laughs) Well, there we are talking about humanness again. The humanness is the first voice. Yeah. Right. The humanness is the first voice. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, to get to a point where I, I didn't want to hurt anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I had no idea that it just wasn't all about me. Was it like, because I imagine you, you were probably like, from what you've said, like kind of an isolated drinker where you tried to hide it pretty good and you hid it. Um, was there Toward like... the oh, end. Was it, yeah. The, until Toward the, the end. Yeah. yeah. Was there like a whole bunch of... Um, you heard a bunch of people and that followed you as you went through it? Or was it... Because I know some people who come in and they think, well, I only hurt myself. Yes. It's basically what I'm getting at, but I don't know how to word it. I came in, I've only hurt myself. Yeah, okay. okay. It, you know, it's my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm hurting myself. Mm-hmm. People just don't understand me. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, had some things as you, you hear it all the time, mm-hmm. if, you know, if these things had happened to you, yeah. yes, you would, uh, yeah. I have written permission here. <laughs> yeah. And I, and that's why I say, I'm grateful for, for have gotten into the program when I did, because then mm-hmm. the worst the worst started to happen mm-hmm. and the the pain and the 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 oh the words oh you know i can't even speak some of the words mm-hmm. that i have said to my children the pain mm-hmm. and the scars and i i you know my I try, you know, I, I put them through hell. Mm-hmm. My family. And I've broken their hearts. And I've wounded their spirits. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that I was taught, I was shown how to be accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And... that I will do one day at a time Mm -hmm. everything that I can do to help that heal Mm -hmm. because it's not all about me. That's a powerful statement right there. What time are we at there? One or seven. An hour and seven minutes. Look at you go, Marilyn. And I bet you part of why it's going so smoothly is because you're wearing slippers. Which, when you told me downstairs you brought slippers, I'm like, oh my God, why do I not bring slippers? (laughs) Like, why do I not have slippers here for these Saturday nights? I thought, literally, I'm thinking, like, relaxed, Mm -hmm. in the zone. This is going to be just that great conversation Mm -hmm. with a wonderful human being that I have had great respect Oh, thank and you. inspiration from watching you and your father. Thank you. And, um, you know, to be, uh, 
you know, to carry that message mm. and to just, you know, people are dying out there. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know I could die. I honestly did not know I could die. From drinking, hey? No. Yeah. I, I just thought I was going to sort of learn how to control it a little mm -hmm. bit and learn to walk away. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I could die. Isn't that far Blew off? me away. Yeah. And I, you know, that's to, to see people. Um, so when you asked me about, you know, doing this, I, you know, I was pretty stoked about it because mm -hmm. I thought uh, such admiration and gratitude for what you do here. Oh. And, um, I, I've downloaded a few podcasts from uh, New Zealand, mm. and uh, so when I'm traveling, I flip them on, you know, and yeah. and hear the story. And I think, what a gift! Mm. It is such is a gift, yeah. That people have this little tool, mm. yeah, another communication tool. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm grateful. Oh, I'm really grateful, and thank you. Thanks for coming on. And, you know, because like everyone, so there's, there's always people out there who can learn from other people, right? And your, your voice might be that one that they hear in the darkness. And I just think that's so fucking cool. Like, pardon my French. It's about as French as I get, Trudeau. Oh, oh Francais. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no. Probably, uh. <laughs> yeah, um, anyway. So if there was something you could tell someone Mm. What like they were maybe they're coming towards a the bottom. They're in the middle of their darkness. Because um, second, before we move on, I, I am so sorry about your sister. Oh, I have two brothers, and that would be devastating. And I'm not sure that I'd make it. So, I, I applaud your courage and strength to keep going. You know, because oh. my brothers are quite important to me. So, oh. yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Well, with thank you. you. That's yeah. Yeah. Substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, if that wasn't a wake-up call, but for some reason it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you... Sorry, or, I, I interrupted oh, the question sorry, and then yes. I started talking about something else, squirrel. which is what I do because of... Squirrel. Yeah, squirrel is right. <laughs> Me, squirrel. Um, if there was someone out there looking to get, like, maybe they don't even know they need help, what would, what would you tell them if there's anything? And I put you on the spot. I didn't. We didn't prepare no, this. You so. know what? I hear you. Mm. I hear you. I see you. Mm. And you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Because I think being seen and heard is part of the hiding, the, uh, the isolating, mm -hmm. the, for me, that fear of, um, g getting in trouble and not letting someone down or disappointing or someone, um, I just think we all want to be heard mm -hmm. and we all want to be seen mm -hmm. and we all just, we just want to be loved mm -hmm. and the first treatment center that I was in, what I realized halfway through is that the underlying theme of everyone, everyone in there, 
I don't feel loved. Mm -hmm. At some point in their life, including mine, Mm -hmm. I felt the love stopped Mm -hmm. or that I did something that would make me unlovable. Mm -hmm. But somehow the love wasn't, I didn't deserve it. Mm But, but and, and that's what I was a good lesson for me to come back from that treatment center was that how important it is for someone to feel loved. Mm-hmm. And I, I, um, I hear you, I see you. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. Thank you, Marilyn. Mm-hmm. And thank you again for coming on tonight. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. It's thank our pleasure. Thank you. It's our pleasure. I just would like to get up and kick my heels, you know? Go this for was it. Just, this was just <laughs> back in the day. I might have been able to do that. Yeah. Well, and you so were wearing lovely slippers. Lovely slippers. Yep. It was an honor, David. I, is what I want, is what I, I really am, was coming to the forefront of my brain here is that I, I am honored. I was, it was an honor to be asked, mm. and I feel incredibly privileged. Well, that's not a good word, is it? I um, think it's okay if it's true. I, I like an on. <laughs> it was just an honor to mm. uh, be asked uh, to do this and to perhaps put a voice out there that. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely put a voice out there. That, uh, you know, you're just not alone. Mm. Well, thank so, you. It's nice of you to say that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm stoked. Me too. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.